You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Spain and Fitz, the podcast, and our regular show is coming up in just a minute, but sometimes we like to do a little digital only for subscribers of the podcast, pre-party or after-party, and today, Fitz, it's not only a regular old radio pre-party, but it's a birthday pre-party because Woo! it's Stasha's birthday tomorrow! Fum, fum, fum. What, what? I think we need to sing. Should we sing? Yeah, we should sing. Like, are we allowed? Like, I don't know what the music instruments are. They'll just edit it out, right? I think there's, I think there's rights. Uh, I think it's free usage for happy birthday, uh, which okay, was a big so mistake we'll by like... whoever wrote that song because they could be making bank. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I wish that my family, but like, why couldn't my family have written happy birthday? <laughs> why simple, not? simple rules. Yeah. All right. A one, a two, a one, two, three. Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. You. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to, to you. <laughs> happy so we have like this weird delay where we we're like getting each other. At this... <laughs> they say it's your birthday. I don't know what we're doing. I feel like this is perfect, by the way. <laughs> but you know, that I was think the we most 2020 it. birthday song ever. Just, yeah, just that was mostly, absolutely perfect. Mostly depressing, despite meaning to be celebratory. Stash, <laughs> is it fair to say that this is the single greatest moment guaranteed to happen on your birthday? I feel like it is. Uh, I, you know what? It's going to be really hard to top. The wife's got a so big challenge ahead of her tomorrow. <laughs> well, that's, but but there's a substantial amount of cake to be eaten. Is that true? Oh yes, cake and barbecue. Ooh, okay, no, the that's... combo. Do you go in that order, or do you start with no, the barbecue I, and then go to? Because I'm not here to judge. On your oh, birthday. look! I mean, you know what? If it's there, I'm at it, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I like that. Very, very indiscriminate about just put in front of him, and and he'll he'll take it down. Uh, well, happy birthday, Stosh! I hope you find a way to celebrate safely this weekend, and I hope you're not just digging out snow. Did you guys get hit again, or was it just the one and done there? Just the just one, one and done, done there. No, it's right, going to be a nice good. day. That's it. Nice day. I have a pretty big weekend ahead of me in terms of uh, pandemic-related attempts to enjoy myself. Uh, tomorrow, we're trying to do my regular Christmas party, which is called Fletch Navidad, uh, which used to be a combination Fletch birthday party and Christmas party when it was earlier in the month, and now it tends to be more middle of the month. Uh, we still do celebrate Fletch, of course. I believe this year it is called Fletch Navidad 9 Beyond Thunder Zoom. Uh, I think I think that's what we went with because it will be virtual. I don't know how that's going to work uh, just because it, it, I believe we have somewhere in the num- number of 160 yes RSVPs. I'm not, not sure how you do a Fletch Covidad with 160 people on a Zoom. I Can I be honest be too? And like, I mean, I got to be honest, like, I struggle when I've tried to do Zooms with 10 people. When you start right. talking about that many people, yeah. especially if any of them are big personalities, I have no idea what you Well, do. the goal is to have a bit of an agenda so that in theory, you know, there's a there's sort of a, a plan uh, to use the mute button liberally, uh, just like okay. my idol, Tony Reale. Uh okay. But I still think it might be a complete and utter disaster. There will be a round of uh, Thunder Drunk virtually, at least one round uh, but instead of yelling out when people need to drink, we're going to probably assign numbers based on your name and then hold up a piece of paper that has a one, two, or three, and then you drink with your group. And if you get if you get boned in the musical interlude, that's just the way it goes. Then you're chugging your beer at home. 
Uh, I don't know how that's gonna work either, but you know, we're gonna give it a shot. We're gonna give it a shot. Uh, and then tonight I'm doing one of those drive-through light things. Uh, it's an attempt to hang out with friends, although we're just gonna eat pizza out the back of the car, staring at each other in the outside, and then we're gonna get in our own cars and drive through the thing. So it'll be like kind of hanging out for a little bit. So I'm I'm glad you mentioned this because I'm a little torn. All right, so okay. uh, I'm trying to get a little Christmas spirit going on, and obviously, you know, being divided in two different states is not ideal for some of that, but. Uh, what I've learned to do in the process of all of this, because, you know, Sonny's down in Tennessee and I'm up here. What I've learned She's to down do in, in the process. winning awards for the yeah. best house decorations on the block. Hello. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which she's stoked about. The credit. number of times I get a, a, a text in the middle of the night that's like, and then some really sweet kids brought donuts the other night and was like, this is just the coolest house we've ever seen. So we wanted to bring Aww. donuts and say thank you. So, like, she's, awesome. she's out t- tonight in full costume regalia. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, but it's funny, usually during Halloween, they were all sort of, they had like a little nip on the side, getting a little toasty. Well, yeah. now that there's, uh, you know, there's Santa Claus involved. That doesn't happen anymore. So oh. now she's very big on like, hey, we're here. We're here representing Santa. So we can't uh, we can't screw around with these things. So uh, <laughs> taking it much more seriously and then drinking afterwards is her plan. Perfect. But I don't really have like that sort of outlet. So I was like, OK, I found this this like magical light display thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go drive over there and, and check it out. Like, it sounds like it's fun. I have to work tomorrow night for my last college football digital show uh, on a Saturday. And then I figured I'd just drive over there and check it out. So I, I got to looking at it, and uh, like every male, and you've talked about Brad doing this sometimes, I buy the ticket without even thinking about like the, <laughs> the details. So I'm like, all right, 20 bucks, I bought the ticket, got the ticket, great. Now I, I start looking at it, and they posted a thing today that was like, just a reminder while you're in your car, like sing Christmas carols and be nice to each other. So I start looking at all the reviews, and they're like, it was beautiful. We were in line for two and a half hours, but it was worth no. it on a Tuesday. And I'm like... No! So the Saturday before Christmas, it might like, and then there's, they say, don't worry, we close at 10. But as long as you're in the queue somewhere at 10, you'll probably get through because we'll try to stay open as late as 1 a.m. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can sit in my car for three hours to, to look at Christmas lights. I just, I think it might be past my, my, like, I can handle this moment. Oh, no. You've just made me re-Google the place that I'm going. And it does say to avoid busier times, plan your visit during the weekday or avoid 6 to 8 p.m. Now, we're going at 930, so I hope that helps. But we might just get the tail end of the people who came earlier. And then also (laughs) there's a fast pass add-on that I did not purchase. Now, the fast pass is like, if they offered a fast pass, I'd be done. I'm like, you give me fast pass, I'm in. Hmm. I kind of thought to myself, like, how does that work? Do I? Why would I need that? Like, but now I'm starting to wonder <laughs> if maybe I've made a grave mistake. Perfect, perfect. I'm glad that I could ruin this experience for and all. And now of us. I've That's- like lost all focus on the pre-party because now I'm just trying to figure out if I've made a grave mistake and if I should be purchasing the fast pass. Also, I do like that one of the FAQs is, can I bring my pet? Because now I'm starting to wonder if Fletch might like to come tonight. Oh my God, Fletch would Fletch would demand to be there, would he not? I mean, <laughs> I mean, all three the of them. Right would. thing. Uh, the problem with all three of them is my dog Haji, and we think this might be related to his chemotherapy because he used to go looking for food all the time. But ever since he was diagnosed with lymphoma and started getting chemo, he is like a lunch hound times a hundred. So today he stole five christmas cookies off the middle of the island and we want to set up a camera because we don't know how he gets all the way up there 
And then he also pulled down a giant thing of chocolates and thankfully only ate like two. Like I think he couldn't get it open to get to the rest of them. So, you know, chocolates, dog, bad move. But this is the same moron who we found out he had cancer because he ate a caprese skewer, toothpick and all, and then it got lodged in his intestines and they had to cut him open. He also decided to eat like a quarter of a tennis ball, which then got stuck in his colon and they had to pull it out manually. Uh, Oh. Yeah. I mean, so so years and years ago, not anything close to what you're, you're describing in that sense, but years and years ago, you know, Charlie, who is now the best dog that you could ever want in, in your life. Like, Charlie is the perfect combination of quiet and cuddly when you need that and then very protective when you need that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I've never had a dog more capable of being uh, perfect for every situation than Charlie. But I will say that when we adopted Charlie, uh, we took him because a friend was going to send him back to the shelter because he was too much to handle. It was a long conversation. Uh, but they actually had them on had him on, like, doggy sedatives to try and oh, yeah. calm him down my other so, dog is on was he's not anymore he used to be on basically doggy prozac yeah so this was the same thing so you know we we weaned him off of the prozac over time and uh you know he had obviously more dogs to play with and a bigger lawn and that all helped but he just sort of had to get out of that it took like a solid year and a half one of the toughest year and a half i think frankly as strange as it sounds to a lot of people of our marriage was trying to get Clark and Charlie integrated the right way into the house. Like it was, mm-hmm. it just, it took all of our energy. But the crazy thing is we were finally having a night that we were just overwhelmed. And we said, look, let's go to the movies. He's fine. We had gotten to the point that we moved all the furniture out of certain rooms oh and we just God. leave the rooms open for him because he had crate anxiety from being in and out of shelters. So, but he but would he eat was, a couch or something if you left yeah, it in there. He would oh, destroy man. anything. So we finally were like, okay, we've moved all the furniture. We're fine. We go to the movies, we come back from the movies, and he's sitting there, and all I see is a bottle of vitamin D on the ground. And (laughs) somehow he got to the one thing that had been left out that we just didn't even see, and he ate the entire bottle. So I end up on on the phone with poison control all night, and we had to take him to the animal hospital, and they had to pump his stomach and do all that stuff. But it was funny because he was such a, at that point, he he would eat or destroy anything that was in front of him. So they were like, yeah, we pumped his stomach. A lot of glass and rubber from obviously eating whatever. And we're, like, we're not bad dog parents, I swear. But I yeah. felt like such a piece of shit parent in that moment. And they were like, no, it's not uncommon for you know a lot of younger dogs that have this. And eventually he broke out of it. Now he's the pickiest eater in the world. Doesn't chew anything. Weird. Doesn't like it. But it, it's yeah. funny how you have to get through that moment. We got really lucky with our dogs that they didn't really eat stuff so much like they weren't they didn't eat couches and shoes and every once in a while you'd be like you know i think i remember like a hairbrush early on that got that got the worst end of things but they're very good at like if we don't present something to them then it's not theirs except for haji and food and at this point if we forget he'll let us know like he's eating an entire sleeve of bagels bag and all (laughs) and he just gets so fat um he broke into the closet where his food once was and uh dipped tipped it over and we came down, and he looked like he was about to birth a litter. It was just like he—he <laughs> he had stopped eating it though, which answered our all-time question leading up to that day, which was if we just let Haji eat forever, would he ever stop? And the answer was yes, but it took a long time. He had to look ready to birth a litter first. One of my favorite Clarkisms. It's funny how we 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 always talk about alcohol or dogs. I feel like at these, but one of my favorite uh, Clarkisms <laughs> that seems to was, be all we have going for us. Fitz. Well, I mean, it's twenty twenty. We're just occasionally music. One day at a time in twenty twenty. Uh, Clark, as anyone has seen on on digital, like Clark is is very tall, 
And so his face, like he can just walk up without getting on his hind legs or anything. His face will sit on countertops. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he comes up just a little past my belly button and height, just not even trying. So uh, we, there was, we ran outside for something. And I mean, we were outside for like a minute and we walk inside. We'd ordered pizza. Pizza was oh, on no. the counter. We walk in, we walk outside, we come back a minute later and he's not even sitting by the pizza and we walk out and the pizza is gone. Like he just took it in a bite and his face is so big that like, that's the thing that always is alarming to people when they see him in person. It's like, you see him in in pictures, you don't realize like his head is as big as mine is. So when he's got this huge jaw, he can just take a whole piece of pizza down, you know, in a bite. So he was just, he he ate like a medium cheese pizza while we were outside and didn't even burn his mouth. Like I was, I wasn't even mad. I was impressed the whole way. I was like, I, I don't know. Luckily he, that was the one of the few times he's ever done that. But I always joke, like if Clark ever figured out how big he is, he'd realize that he runs the house and he can, right. I mean, he's the ruler of our prison yard. There's no, not me. Well, that's why you need to make sure that they know who's the leader of the pack because same goes for banks. He is a low rider and he is not tall, but he is a, he's a, he's a tough guy. And if he ever, <laughs> knew that I was not in fact in charge he would be in big trouble but thankfully <laughs> he's kind of like uh he's kind of like yours now where he's the best snuggler but also uh would scare the hell out of anyone who came over uh now this has concluded Spade and Fitz's dogs and holiday stuff uh <laughs> tune in next week when we will hopefully include a bit more about booze and we apologize to everyone who tuned in for our regular coverage of alcohol I'm sure it will be back enjoy Spade and Fitz you're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. It's a short edition. We're only one hour tonight getting you all caught up, leading up to ESPN Radio's coverage of the Pac-12 championship featuring Oregon taking on number 13 USC, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and don't forget, you can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Sarah, season's over. There's no point in watching any more football. The NFL is just dead to me. The entire thing's Welcome like aboard. the season's over for everybody, right? Like there's no point in talking about the like there's no more football, no, right? The no, NFL's there gone. There's some uh, little bit of positive. Um, it's not really a meaningful positive because you have a good starting quarterback, so you didn't need to know if your backup was capable, but he was. I was very impressed with Marcus Mariota. I was happy for him. At the very least, you got a good game out of someone that you're paying 7 or $8 million to be your backup. Uh, you didn't win, which is unfortunate. Uh, and it was probably your coach's fault, which is also too bad. Especially because you have him for another, what, eight years? Oh <laughs> and my God. $80 million? Uh, but other than that, uh, it could have been worse. Well, uh, and look, it, it went from uh, bad to worse or worse to bad. I don't know how you want to say it. But Gruden spoke after the game about what you just mentioned and also Hatgate when he said this. I thought Mariota came in, did a great job. Um, it's unfortunate we couldn't find a way to win that game at the end. It's on me. And um, I will say I apologize for not having the right hat on. Somebody played a pretty good trick on me. If you didn't see it, he started the game with an Oakland Raiders hat on, which, like, how does that happen at this point? I mean, I don't think he's much paying attention. and it, I bet it'd be pretty easy if he just had, you know, this sounds like going to school for the first day, but if he had his outfit laid out for the game and someone just switched out the hat, I don't think he's looking too hard at it, right? Um, more importantly, 
Was he looking hard at the game in front of him? And I and by that I mean the play calling down the stretch in overtime when you you, you ran it up the gut twice instead of using the legs that you have with Mariota. Why didn't you go for it on fourth down, try to get the win? Why did you challenge a two-yard gain? Like, there's a lot of moments in that game where I was reflecting on our conversation last night with Randy Scott. We doubled up on our Raiders fans. You were very excited about this game and very confident. I'm throwing that all out because once Carr got hurt, it's just a different different ball game. But there was so much enthusiasm about Gruden and belief that he's doing a good job. And I go back to my question. It happened with the Bucks. It happened with the Raiders last year. Why is the second half of seasons not great for Gruden-led teams? And I have to look at coaching. Yeah, well, last night was completely on coaching. And, and you're right. I, I was confident. And even at the end of the game, as the Chargers missed two field goals, it could have won it. I, I thought to myself, see – at least this is what I said. Justin Herbert's going to be good, but the Chargers will still charge her. That was my thought process even going into overtime. When the Raiders won the coin toss, I felt great about it. And then they get down to about the six-yard line, and they run a series of plays that made zero sense. They didn't use – suddenly they stopped using any of that athleticism. And frankly, every time they were inside the 10-yard line, that's what happened. Gruden got very conservative inside the 10. And the biggest moment to me was deciding to kick a field goal. I don't understand it at all because understanding the rules of – of, of overtime, you're now basically giving yourself three possible outcomes. Your defense makes a stop and you get the win, which is not something you're going to be confident with with that defense. That's one positive out- outcome. The other two outcomes would be a tie, which would be equally damning to their playoff ch- chances if they were not to, if they were to give up a field goal and not be able to score, or they give up a touchdown, which is what happens. And so, to me, it felt inevitable. If I'm going to give my my defense back on, put my defense back on the field, I'm going to do it in a way where I'm going to make the Chargers go 95 yards to beat me, not not to a, a kick and then let them come back. So it was really an atrocious game plan uh, by Gruden. It was an atrocious game calling in the last, I don't know, five, six minutes of that overtime process. He became suddenly very conservative, and it made no sense. I want to ask you, because I want to move on to to the other game we want to cover here, but quickly, are you confident in Gruden going forward? Do you feel like since he came in, obviously, you know, the record reflects progress, but do you need a faster and quicker amount of success for the amount of money that you're paying him how are you viewing the three or two and a half years so far it's okay if it was any other coach he'd be gone at this point but it's okay and they've paid him a lot of money the problem is that their defense is terrible and randy mueller who we've had on the show a couple of times did a great breakdown today on where they've spent their money and how they built their roster and why they've done it the wrong way they've ignored defense now it's biting him in the butt and that's completely at the feet of john gruden so every positive that they've had in being better than we expect has been a credit to him. But the reason that we're still looking at the team to be better than we expect is because he's done a really particularly poor job with a lot of the management of this team. I don't put it on Mayock's feet. I put it at his. So I think it's in some ways been a a, a failure. Let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And that comes in the form of Drew Brees starting. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. I was a little surprised, Sarah, to see the news today. If I'm a Saints fan, I don't love anything about this. You're putting a quarterback out there that is going to be, at least in some mindset, a health risk going in, and you can't win the Super Bowl without Drew Brees. I don't care about the bye. I care about the Super Bowl. So I think it's a questionable decision. Yeah, we've got back and forth on this, and uh, as of last night, it was a, a matter of opinion whether you thought he should play. Now we know for sure that he is. Importantly, Diana Rossini reported that They've known all week, and just none of them leaked it. So good news uh, for the Saints that they could keep a secret. They made things tougher on the Chiefs and having to prepare for, for both guys, maybe even three guys. But I'm really worried about this because they said he's not 100%. And um, not only 
do you need to be 100% and still possibly not have a shot to beat a great Chiefs team? But if you want to make sure that he's healthy in the postseason, you really risk putting out a not 100% breeze against this team. And Bart Scott today, I think it was on Get Up, basically summed up what the Chiefs are going to be thinking as they go into this game. If this is a team that I may have to face in the Super Bowl, I'm going to make sure I do some damage. I'm going to inflict as much damage as I can, especially early in the game, knowing that I have a great offense that can match them score for score. So he has a target on him. They're going to put some barbecue sauce on the ribs. We're going to see if, if Drew Brees is about that smoke. 85% <laughs> is not enough for me because I need him for the duration of the playoffs. I'm going to be targeting that. I'm going to fall on it. And if I get a fine, we'll have a pool for the FedEx. Okay, mm. so I'm, I, I realize that my sensibilities are not those of an NFL player, so I cringe a little when I hear some of that stuff. But I got to give it to him. Barbecue on those ribs, that's a great line. <laughs> that, is, that is fantastic, even if it's a euphemism for severely injuring somebody. I mean, you're not wrong. Everything he said, and that's part of what makes Scott great. Like that, with a little straight talk, by the way, straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. Uh, his mindset, though, his, his overall sort of – uh, point is not a bad one. I mean, that uh, there is some level of every team is going to be looking at that saying, okay, and, and look, it's the most overused thing to say, get out there and hit a quarterback just to see how he reacts. Like, okay, nobody wants to get hit, so I would imagine everybody would react poorly to the moment that you take a hit. But when you've got a guy coming back in that has suffered the injuries that Breeze has suffered, uh, I, I mean, we're all going to be cringing every single time he takes a hit because it's not just about one or two weeks at this point. When he's been as injured as he's been, I mean, I can't imagine the Saints winning a Super Bowl without him. And they've already said Michael Thomas isn't going to play in this game. So now you're going to put Drew Brees out without Michael Thomas, and you're going to you're just going to put him at risk for a regular season game just to try and get a bye. I I, I can't make the the dots connect on this one, sir. To me, it's it's potentially they just they feel good enough about how he looks. I know Rossini was on a KJNZ this morning and said he was practicing two weeks ago and it was just okay. So what they saw this week made them feel confident enough to send him out there. Look, they don't want to go play the Packers at Lambeau in January. The the Saints are a good indoor team. They like to play at home. And they consider this game an opportunity to play worth it. You know, Izzy Gutierrez also made a good point on Around the Horn today that sometimes what we've seen from Breeze in the years where he's been injured is a ramp-up period where he starts to play his best after enough games in the tank. And when he was playing those games where he was 29-30 on passing – and incredible, unbelievable accuracy, it was usually with a little bit of a runway. So maybe they're also concerned, like, we don't want to wait until it's a game or two before the postseason. We're already nearing, you know, three games left in the season. We don't want to throw him out there and have him be rusty either. This is a good chance to see where we where we line up against a really good team. Uh, and if that's how they're convincing themselves, I can see it. It's just a real risk. Yeah, like everything else in 2020, it won't feel like a risk if it works out. And if it doesn't work out, it'll be ignorant. That, there's like no in-between right. on the way all of this works out. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive can save over $750 on average. Coming up, it's championship weekend in college football. One of the biggest coaches playing in one of the biggest games said something. Is it posturing or is it proving his ignorance? We'll break it down next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Funny, they always give college coaches the benefit of the doubt when they stand in front of a microphone and say, hey, there's a message behind it. There's a reason that college coaches say what they say. 
Well, what if sometimes college coaches are just running their mouth and they have nothing to base it with? We may or base it on. We may be witnessing that now. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're only one hour tonight getting you ready for the ESPN Radio coverage of the Pac-12 Championship presented by Progressive Insurance uh, and all of our guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. We do have some exclusive content you can only get on the Spain and Fitz podcast tonight, so be sure to get out there and subscribe wherever you your podcast. And obviously, yeah, we really spread our wings tonight on a bunch of topics we've never – I'm just kidding. <laughs> we talked about dogs and Christmas. Uh, well, and was there any alcohol talk? There's a little bit of alcohol talk. Okay. Not as much as usual, though, and we apologize for that, and we will write that wrong in future episodes, uh, but yeah. there's a little bit. Well, and there was no fecal matter discussed, so I think it's a win compared to usual. Like, we're growing up. I don't know. Uh, bowl season, by the way, is looming. Tune in tomorrow for the ACC championship game <laughs> presented by Goodyear. Coverage begins at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So I don't want to speak for Brian Kelly, Notre Dame head coach. Instead, I want you to hear exactly what he said. This is from his press conference, and he's specifically talking about whether or not Notre Dame would play in the college football playoff if they're invited to, but parents aren't welcome to attend the game. I'm not sure we'll play in the playoffs if parents can't be there, to be honest with you. Why would we play if, if you can't have the families at the game? So a bowl game, yeah, we would opt out. If, if you can't have families at bowl games, I mean, why would you go to a game where your families can't be part of it? What, what's the sense of, of playing a game, you know, in, in an in a area of the country where, you know what I mean, nobody can be part of it? A lot to unpack here, Sarah, because let's acknowledge that this isn't just a bowl game. It's a college football playoff, which has payouts to everybody involved in it. There's a lot of money at stake. And what he's really specifically addressing is the fact that one of the semifinal games is is supposed to happen at the Rose Bowl. But we all know that at this point, California is not allowing these gatherings to happen. So if they play in the Rose Bowl, they'd be playing in an empty Rose Bowl. And that's what he's addressing here uh, with his own mindset. Okay, the thing that I do agree with is that in a season like this, the idea that the only thing that can't be affected by a pandemic is the Rose Bowl is a problem, right? You don't need to fly a bunch of kids out to California where the pandemic is especially bad, near Los Angeles, where it is the worst place in the world right now in terms of percentage of infected people, for no reason. If you're not having a giant parade, if you're not filling the stadium, if it's not about the vibes at the Rose Bowl, and if you could play the game in another empty stadium somewhere else, then yeah, it doesn't make much sense for teams, all of whom I believe are east of the Mississippi, to fly all the way out there. That being said, that's not the argument he's making. His argument is, why would we play football unless families can be watching? And I would ask him, then why did we play football at all this year? Because you're home in Notre Dame in Indiana is one of the only places that was allowing people to go, right? There were some fans allowed in some places, but for the most part, we all know why we played football this year. It was for money. It was for money and TV contracts and to try to keep as many people working and doing their jobs. And there's some arguments as to why that's a good thing. And there's a whole lot of arguments as to why it's bad, but the idea that he would try to use his muscle and weight to threaten out of this game, which I don't think he would actually do. I think it's posturing. And do so in a way that makes clear that he doesn't really care much about the safety of his players or the families or anybody else. And try to act like college football is above the repercussions of a pandemic is exactly why people are so frustrated with sports during all of this in the first place. Because it's the idea that 
Rules don't apply to us. We're going to fly back and forth to different states. We're going to fill our stands. And when we beat Clemson, we're going to let our fans run out into the field thousands of them at a time as if there is no pandemic. Just add it to the list, Fitz, of coaches who have sounded completely toned after during all this. We're talking about a situation, and let me be very clear. I'm not even talking about the political side of it. I'm not talking about any of the rules or regulations from a point of what I think should happen. I'm talking about what is happening in California. Right now in California, there are businesses everywhere shutting down because they can't keep their doors open because nobody's allowed to go inside because of the limitations that have been put on for COVID. So no matter what anyone thinks of that, that's the reality in California. Why Coach Kelly would think that if a game were to be played in California, his football team is more important and their ability to play in front of their families is more important than the ability to keep businesses open all over the place is one of the most self-centered things I've ever heard a coach say. And to think that he has some grasp on how all this is going down and the way it should happen because of what he wants, above and beyond what the state is trying to accomplish, above and beyond what people are already fighting for in California, and above and beyond what people are dealing with every single day in their lives is disgusting, at the very least, for him to come in and imply that they should either move the game or they should bend the rules simply to allow Notre Dame in is all the reason I would need if I were on the college football playoff committee to say, fine, if it's a close decision and you don't want to play in the Rose Bowl, you don't have to go. It is an invite. You don't have to be invited. I would love to see some Somebody actually hold his feet to the fire because what he's trying to do is use his big mouth in a way that nobody can ever challenge and nobody can see if he has the you-know-whats to back it up. I would love to see him actually tested on this theory and see what the alumni base would do at Notre Dame if he passed on the opportunity to try and win a national championship because he was trying to make some greater statement about what he thinks is best for his players. And I want to get to the rest of the games this weekend, so I just want to quickly add, he's not alone. Dabo Swinney told reporters uh, today that it makes no sense to fly a bunch of kids that way. You have plenty of stadiums where you can have fans and families, and it should be the same for everybody involved. I actually agree with that. It's not that there should be a priority on fans, but if you are going to be able to play and the stadium is not as important because the location is not important because no one can be in it, and it's especially bad COVID cases-wise, then again... The Rose Bowl is not above all of the other changes being made. And I know there's TV deals and I know there's money involved and I know there's plans involved, but we've disrupted a whole lot of plans this year in 2020. So it's not that the idea that flying all the way to California to play in an empty stadium isn't something you could disagree with. It's how Kelly worded it. And it's the language that he decided and it's the fight he decided to pick instead of the one that he could have picked. Well, and obviously what he wants is the game moved. That's the same thing when I talked to Brian Pollock. Brian Pollock, that's good. Brian Kelly would be the coach. When I talked to David Pollock today uh, on College Football Live, that was Pollock's first statement too, is move the game. Move the game to Arlington, move it to Texas, move it to somewhere where it will be allowed for uh, everyone to be there. Uh, I I guess I I just fail to understand why we're suddenly going to jump through all of these hoops to make sure that that's the case when we've been doing the things that we've been doing throughout the course of the college football season. Don't forget, uh, bowl season is on us. Tune in tomorrow for the Big 12 championship game presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And uh, there are a lot of big games going on this weekend. The Clemson-Notre Dame is only one of them. I think that Big 12 championship game, Sarah, has a ton of significance because Iowa State is ranked number 6. Oklahoma is ranked number 10. To me, what the playoff committee was doing was keeping uh, some availability for whoever wins that game to get a big win, which will then propel them into the conversation. So there is a lot of drama to be had this weekend. 
Yeah, well, I, so I, I said on Around the Horn that I think it feels like the CFP is so dead set on the teams that are in that barring a massive injury or maybe a blowout, but probably not even then, they're going to stick with the four that they got. Do you agree or are you of the opinion that one of these teams needs to have a definitive victory in order to make sure they still get in? No, I think right now it would take something epic for these four not to be the four. Uh, I mean, I think even if Notre Dame loses to Clemson uh, in this in this rematch, unless they get blown out, they're in. I mean, Ohio State's the only one they can't afford a loss. Everybody even else, Clemson, I, uh, with yeah. the number of losses that they have, uh, I agree with you. But that's the argument people are making. I, I think Clemson's still in if they lose another double overtime epic game. I mean, two losses doesn't seem to matter to this committee. So uh, we'll keep breaking it down. Uh, for some of you, Pac-12 pregame coverage is about to take over. For the rest of you, we'll crack open a six-pack of football picks. That's next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Ooh, this is making me dance in my seat. It must be a Friday! It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. You drop a beat like that, it makes me wish we were on TV because I know that Fitz was moving over there. I can't oh, yeah. see it. I was, I was shaking my moneymaker. The hips were moving in the seat. I could tell already. Really uh, just get the, the butt zone. cheeks. The hips don't move too much. It's just the butt cheeks. <laughs> now I visualize just a jiggly booty. And I didn't need that. I didn't need You're that. Welcome. I'm a fry And not that there's anything wrong with the jiggly booty. We can all get behind it. Speaking of booties, later in the show, general booty. It's a tease for you. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Don't forget, tune into football action this Sunday as Deshaun Watson and the Texans visit Rivers and the Colts. Pre-game begins at noon Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. And that is correct. There is football action this Sunday. And that means we got to do our six-pack. And let me tell you, things are getting tight in this competition between me and Fitz. He, he had a bad week at one point and fell behind, and ever since, it's been a slow crawl to even things up to the point where now he is technically a half a game ahead of me. <laughs> My record is 58-19, and 19, and he is 58-18-1. This week is important. Let's see how we do. And you're lucky, by the way, because I did not force you to count last night's extremely enthusiastic endorsement of the Raiders... As part of your six-pack, because it technically wasn't. You hadn't said it as part of the segment. So you do not get dinged for your team losing. I have no idea what you're talking about. I I I, I do not recall any of that. So sorry, but I have to tell you that football season is still ongoing, and you will need to make some selections regarding the games this weekend, (laughs) despite you deciding that you're going to pretend it does not exist. Uh, Let's just start with my team, because... uh, I, unfortunately, do not get to avoid choosing my team like you did. Uh, and it's Bears-Vikings. We were talking about this yesterday. You were shocked to learn that the Bears are just a game back of being in it. Uh, I'm shocked as well. That's what happens when a team loses six of seven games, but they started off so well that you actually uh, you, you have a reasonable record. They're just under 500. So they take on the Vikings, who are in a similar position and are looking to, uh, looking to stay in the hunt as well. And... I keep picking the Bears wrong. They're the they're the one team that's gotten me almost every week. I finally went against them last week, and then they went ahead and thumped the Texans, put up 30-some points. Mitchell Trubisky's been good. I'm still going to have to pick the Vikings, though. I'm picking the Vikings over the Bears, and I know exactly what's going to happen when I do that, but I'm picking Minnesota. Look, you're in a win-win. I mean, if you pick the Vikings so? and they win, How then- so? I mean, if the Vikings win, then you won in this, which is very important. If the Vikings lose, then you won in life, which is even more important. Mm. I'm just I trying like, to make I you like, feel better about nice. it. Nice, I appreciate that. Okay, right, I'll start got? with 
I'll start. Like, I'm taking the, the low-hanging fruit here because every week I pick a college game from wherever game day is. But since this is Champ Weekend, there's no game day necessarily uh, location that I have to pick from. So now I can pick any of the college games. So I'm taking the one I think is the easiest. Cincinnati going to beat Tulsa. That's one of the ABC games of the weekend. So it counts. Uh, in the AAC Championship game, uh, Luke Fickle and the number 6 Bearcats are going to try and roll as many points into this for style as they can possibly get in their last-ditch effort to show the committee that if chaos happens, they deserve a chance. Tulsa, good, not great. Uh, Cincinnati's defense particularly is spectacular, and their offense is explosive enough. They'll win this game, and they'll win this game big. All right, I like that pick, and you're lucky. You did get to you get to pick one of the easier ones. Uh, speaking of yes. easy ones, I, I don't want to jinx myself by saying that, but I feel confident in picking the Seattle Seahawks over Washington. Alex Smith not available, so Dwayne Haskins back in as starter for the WTFs, who I believe will return to their WTF status this weekend. Even though they've been good uh, third in sacks in the league per pass attempt for the season, uh, they will put some pressure on Russ. They'll make it tough for him to cook. On the opposite side of things, Seahawks are first in that category since week eight. They are going to put a ton of pressure on Haskins there, make stuff difficult for him, and he just hasn't looked good when we've seen him fit. So I think this is an easy win for Seattle, and if they win, they're in. Uh, the Washington team cannot clinch uh, anything, but they do have a decent shot of still making it. They've got something to fight for. I just don't see them being able to win. Yeah, and I really like the fire that Washington's played with, and we've talked a lot about it. I think Washington's sort of building their franchise in the same mold that the 49ers did. You know, get yourself a great defense and then try and figure out what you can on the other side of it. So it's really the offense that's a liability. I picked this game, too. I picked Seattle in this one, too. And, and I think points are going to be difficult, more difficult to come by than, uh, than we think for Washington. Against Washington, I should say. But Dwayne Haskins coming in at quarterback. There's no reason right now to think that suddenly the light switch has gone on. So uh, I'll take Seattle to win that one over Washington. And while we're feasting on the bottom, I mean, it's our, it's our weekly tradition. Somebody we also have the Rams off. taking on the Jets. So <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and get that one out of the way. I, uh, I picked the Rams over the Jets in what I think, obviously, this has nothing to do with the Rams and everything to do with the Jets. <laughs> They're a dumpster fire. I got to 58-18-1 by picking against the Jets every week once I was smart enough to do it. Thanks to your coaching, I will continue <laughs> the tradition this week. I was going to say, I should never have announced my strategy aloud of let me first see who the Jets are playing and then pick against them, which I started with week two, uh, I believe, and just rolled on from there. It's worked every time because in case you haven't noticed, guys, they're 0-13. I think the only tough week was when they had a bye. But yeah, the Rams. The Rams are going to do well. I don't even think the Jets want to win at this point. What would be the point of getting a win now when you're so close to being able to help your your franchise in a meaningful way with Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying that for the players out on the field. I'm saying bigger picture for for the uh, for the Jets. Uh, so yeah, I feel very confident in picking the Rams on that one. Uh, speaking of confidence, let's go to the other team we tend to go to when we're <laughs> looking for an easy pick, or as you said, which I want clipped off. Feast on the bottom, and that is Jacksonville. Oof, one in twelve. Uh, just a rough rough look altogether. Uh, They've allowed the third most rushing yards this season. They gave up almost 250 last weekend to the Titans, and they're going to be looking at Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' rush attack. Uh, This is going to be an ugly one. The Ravens are struggling at the cornerback position with injuries, uh, but I still think they've got more than enough to win this game against a bad Jags team. 
I kind of feel like the Ravens could play without corners in this game and still beat the Jags. They're so bad at this point. The wheels have fallen off. Jacksonville knows what they're doing. Jacksonville has no interest in winning games right now. Their only interest is trying to somehow hope that the Jets screw it up and they can get Trevor Lawrence or uh, more realistically sit in that second spot and get Justin Fields. I also uh, picked this game. And by the way, I think on my last day ever at ESPN, we could just take the things you've clipped off that I've said, (laughs) run them all in a row, and it'll be the end of my career. It's perfect. Hey, real quick. You mentioned, didn't somebody say that there was a conspiracy theory that last week of the season, or maybe the last two, Belichick will tank on purpose so that uh, the Jets get a win over his pats and then they don't get Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I saw that on Twitter, and I kind of love all of it. Like, <laughs> Belichick puts nobody on the field, essentially, and out, outwardly tries to lose the game just to make sure Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jags instead. That's what they're hoping in Jacksonville, Amazing. too. Amazing. All right, who you got next? All right, next we'll go to Buffalo. This one's easy Saturday. A little bit of Saturday fun. But it's not going to be fun for the Broncos. Drew Locke is just bad. Here's breaking news. Drew Locke, mm. not a good quarterback. Uh, one of the few things I called right coming into the season was that that would be abysmal. It's turned out to be abysmal for Denver. So Buffalo is going to further assert themselves. In my mind, they're the second best team in the AFC right now, the way they're playing. Uh, they will roll all over Denver on Saturday, and uh, it'll be a nice little kickstart to the weekend of football. I like that pick. I made that pick myself. I've stopped being quite so afraid of Denver. If you remember, I got burned by the by the Broncos early in the season with a win that uh, I think, I can't remember who they beat, but it was a team that was unexpected. And it's kind of scared me away from them, but I'm pretty sure they suck now. So I feel a lot better about picking against them, especially when we're talking about a great Bills team. Uh, Denver, by the way, also having issues at cornerback. They've lost Five in the last three weeks, four to injuries, and then A.J. Boye to a suspension. So um, they only have three available on the roster right now. One of them just signed off a practice squad in Baltimore. That's going to be tough for them looking at Josh Allen and his massive cannon of an arm. So uh, that could get ugly, but it could be fun for those of us who are trying to defeat Stosh in fantasy. Um, although I think that's my other team that has Josh Allen. Darn it all, I think Stosh is going to beat me. By the way, you're beating uh, Passon's punk kid, right? Yeah, oh, I'll tell you about some. We'll, we'll do that in a second because okay, there was good, there was a good. text exchange last night that got oh, heated yeah, between me and Jeff Passan. And his punk kid? Just just Jeff so far, but uh, I'm not ruling out okay. talking trash to his kid. Uh, we have one more coming in, uh, and I think we both picked this one too, right? Green Bay is going to beat Carolina. Uh, the, the Packers absolutely rolling at this point. And Carolina, they've been spunkier than any of us expected, but this is, again, this is about Green Bay being good and Carolina not. Yeah, I agree with you. This is a Packers team that uh, can score in a, in a myriad ways and uh, usually chooses Devontae Adams anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be an easy win for Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers, nine games with at least three touchdown passes and zero interceptions this season. That's the most in a season in NFL history, including a three-game streak with those numbers. So he is looking down the stretch of this season to put in some final bids for an MVP uh, most would argue it's still Mahomes, but Aaron Rodgers' numbers. A.A. Ron, getting it done. Uh, we'll talk a little fantasy. We'll do a little sports tinder. It's Friday. There's so much to get to in the final segment. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Sports tinder next. While we're feasting on the bottom. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. That's right. It's a Friday. It's a power hour of Spain and Fitz. Just wrapping up things tonight, heading into the week. And we got one show of both of us next week before the holidays. Uh, so make sure to tune in. And don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast uh, because uh, we did a fun pre-party today. Maybe we'll do a little holiday party next week before uh, we send uh, send Fitz off on his way for a little free time. 
Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence for a wear test using SAE 5W30. Like we said, like the song just said, just got paid Friday night. It's Friday. Let's go. We made it to the end of another week. That's right. It's Friday. 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 Sports tender to get to, but first I need to hear: Is this passing just uh, just what I imagine it to be? I mean, uh, so last night I'm watching my beloved Raiders lose, and I get a text at 11:52 p.m. that included a naughty word that said, "I can't believe I'm going to lose to you at 11:52 p.m." <laughs> because we're halfway through, we're doing one of those two-week uh, fantasy football playoff games. Now I was beating him after one week, and I had a couple of players that were doing well, but I also had Derek Carr, and I said, "I mean." My quarterback scored two points, and he said, you know, I just noticed that it's weird in a league where a tight end can score 30 and his quarterback only two. And I said, my quarterback got hurt in the beginning of the game, and he said, oh, blank, I wasn't even watching. That makes more, much more sense. He's trash-talking me on fantasy football, and he wasn't even watching the game. He's yeah, trash-talking me on my own team, and he wasn't that, even that watching the game. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it is exactly what I expected. He's mad about rules that are being completely normally enforced and about – Absolutely nothing other than just losing, which is, that checks out. Punk, kid, and it passing. Uh, that's, a, that's a duo. That's a dangerous duo. Uh, it's Sports Tinder Friday, and we have a lot of stories to get to, a lot of, uh, a lot of things to touch on. So we're going to speed our way through a little bit of Sports Tinder. Sports Tinder. God, I forgot how sexual it is when the new guy says it. No, mind the, the new guy's just, got a thing. I mean, whew. He's much whew. more sensual than the old big-voiced man. It, everything sounds sexy. All right, this doesn't sound sexy, though. We've been waiting all week to talk about Lion Center Frank Ragnow fracturing his throat in a game, okay? He, uh, he had to walk up to Matt Stafford and Chase Daniel in their loss to Green Bay last week and tell them they would have to make the line calls for the rest of the game because his throat was hurting so bad. And then they find out that he fractured his throat, played the rest of the game, continues to play, and is being told... Try to not really talk or do much because you have a broken throat. Uh, Fitz, uh, how impressed are you with this guy's ability to play through this? I'm going to swipe up on this. Like, this isn't just a like. This swipe is straight up. up. Super like. Super like it. But, like, it's crazy to me because he makes the calls on the line. Like, so he's going to play in a game and not talk? Like, what, what are they going to do? Like, use, like, hand signals or something? I mean, that's alarming, the amount of toughness. And just thinking about the way that linemen and their hands, like, sort of jab at each other, I can't imagine taking Ugh. the chance that you get hit in a broken throat. 100%. Uh, as somebody who has had vocal cord surgery and was not allowed to talk for two weeks, try to imagine that with yours truly. I am swiping up as well. Swipe up. Super like. Yeah, I don't super like that he broke his throat, but I super like and am super impressed with the fact that he played through it. Chase Daniel said it was funny at the time. Not funny now because it's a serious injury. Dude played the rest of the game. Don't know if he gave up one QB hit. It's impressive. Super, super impressive. Also impressive, the best name in this year's college football recruiting class, General Booty. Yeah, General (laughs) Booty. His dad, Abram Booty. Uh, They've all heard it. They've spent a whole life being booties. And, uh, you know, his dad played wide receiver at LSU, was briefly with the Browns. His uncle, Josh Booty, you remember that name, I'm sure, was a quarterback at LSU and then was in the NFL. Another uncle, John David Booty, was at USC and then was in the NFL. And now the world is being introduced to 
General Booty, a 6'3", 194-pounder, a quarterback in Texas. Uh, I'm not going to lie. For whatever reason, I thought General Booty was going to be a large African-American lineman, and he is not. He is incredibly preptastic looking. Uh, He looks like he'd maybe be a laxer out in Virginia. So the question is not, is this a good name? The question is, Fitz, is this the best name? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to swipe right. Yeah, (laughs) swipe right. One of my favorite things to do in general, like when I'm reading college football highlights on the shows digitally, is to say whenever somebody's running for a touchdown, swiggity swooty, he's going for that booty. And so (laughs) I can only imagine that now with general booty, I can do that and like maybe throw in a salute. Like I'm all in for this. I need this to happen. This is the best name ever. I mean, I'm clearly swiping up on best name. Swipe Um, up. Super like. But I'm also wondering, is General Booty better than Captain Booty? What if his name was Commodore Booty? What if his name... I mean, is there another version of Booty that's even better than General Booty? I mean, mean, Captain Booty. Booty, Like, Captain Booty Booty feels like... better than General Booty. Like, Captain Booty feels like he's going to be, like, the guy in the office that's taking you out on the the party boat. Like, Captain Booty. Like, I'm all in for that. So we had fireworks at our party the night before our wedding in, in the backyard of my parents' place up in Michigan, and the guy who did them was named Captain Boom. Oh, and he yes. destroyed. It was amazing. It felt like the fireworks were on our face. It probably wasn't entirely legal. Captain Boom. Shout out Captain Boom. If you are anywhere near northwest Indiana, Chicago, southwest Michigan, absolutely hit up Captain Boom. We'll get it done for you. I don't know All if you right, have like pressure or or pride in that name. Like, do you feel like you Captain have to Boom? go an extra mile when you're Captain oh, Boom? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you yeah. can't let people down when you're Captain Boom. Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> it's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Uh, A slightly more serious, interesting story that I saw today is the approval of the new owner for the Utah Jazz. And there's a lot that needs to be said about taking over a franchise and expectations for both the team and the area that you're in. But he said very specifically, and he's the uh, Qualtrics co-founder who just got approved for the uh, job of ownership. Ryan Smith said, quote, we're not just going to be anti-racist. We're going to be actively anti-racist. It's one of the things we're going to do, and I'm unapologetic about it. It's an interesting thing to do early in your tenure to acknowledge and, and own issues in that area. And I really appreciate not beating around the bush and actually coming out and using the language of an evolved person when it comes to these issues. Especially when you're talking about somebody that is he is now become the owner of the team that he loves. Like when you grew up a jazz fan, is his family, they're jazz fans, they live in the era, right? Like, this is their team. So to come out and admit your team's perceived fatal flaw in so many ways, right out of the gates in the beginning when you buy them, I think is a really huge step towards saying, hey, the culture is going to be different. Even though I love this team and even though I grew up, you know, I, I am infatuated with this team, that doesn't mean that I love everything about this team. I think that's a huge statement from an owner. And I love coming in and owning that right off the bat as opposed to trying to, you know, around the bush like i said you're just going to own it and then you're going to fix it and you're going to make it better which i like another huge piece of good news coming out of the sports world and a nice way to cap off this friday is keontae johnson of uh, florida who collapsed on the court and we were very concerned about him in critical condition well here he is sending out a video thanking people for their concern hey everybody first and foremost i'd like to thank god i know y'all have been sending y'all prayers out the last few weeks 
and me and my parents are very grateful for the prayers that's been going out. To all doctor and medical staff at Tallahassee Memorial and UF Shands, I just want to say thank you for all the support y'all gave me, especially the lady that was in the gym at Florida State. To my Gator Nation and UF athletic family, I just want to thank you for all the prayers that y'all gave out to me. Go Gators. I mean, Fitz, there were some really worst-case scenarios that people had to consider there. So shout out to the medical personnel and to him and his family. So glad he's doing so well. That's a good way to cap off a Friday. Couldn't have said it better, sir. Enjoy the Pac-12 championship coming up right up on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Spain and Fitz. See y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.